Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. The advanced auto parts where their slogan auto parts. seems to be, you can come to get your stuff here because we already have your stuff. What store doesn't have your stuff? What store says, come to our store now, we'll get you the stuff in a couple of weeks? Yeah, we got the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's their whole takeaway. thing. Isn't that their whole thing? <laughs> We've got the parts. Who doesn't have the parts? The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Alrighty then, we are we're sort of up in the air with this show. We've got a lot of different things going on. Don't we worry, got, we got the stuff. Yeah, and, but we got your parts. We've got the parts. If you need them, we've got the parts. Um, we were supposed to have James Carville, but James, what did James say to you, Nigel? Why he can't be on? What did he say? Let me get the the exact quote. Um, gotta prep better. Love y'all. Be back next week. Got to prep better. We're running out of time for college football. He watches every game. You know, uh, prep better. He said he wanted to just, if the election turned out the way he wanted, which it did, he'd be back. The election was a month ago. It was a month ago. What is he doing? We love having James Carville Carville to certify. Yeah, he's got to certify the Louisiana vote. We love that. We were going to have Peter King on today, but Peter King found out that he had a conflict and so he couldn't be on. It's, it's fine. We'll get Peter King on at some other time. Peter and I go all the way back that we are both in the Newsday Alumni Society. That's one of the papers. It's a, my first paper, and I think his second or third newspaper. I want to read a couple of emails and deal with them. Um, the first one is from Mike Catron, C-A-T-R-O-N, who said, my wife is a captain at American Airlines, and then he references Keith Furman. Keith Furman is the chief pilot for American Airlines in D.C., and I know Keith Furman. In fact, Keith Furman has chatted me through airplane flights, gotten me on the plane, made sure everything was okay. Also, I know he flies those little bitty sort of World War I and World War II planes with the open cockpit and stuff like that. And he told me he would take me up, and I said I wanted to do it. I wasn't sure I really wanted to do it. I've never done it. That's a tough guy move. Yeah, but maybe I will. In in any case, Keith has had some uh, personal tragedy in his life in in the last two weeks with his parents, and, and so... Um, we wanted very much to wish him all the best because he is a good person. Here is something uh, from Tim in LaGrange, Illinois, Tim Radigan. I write not to announce the birth of a child, but to announce that I'm a proud new member of Chichesi Creek Club. I know from past shows that you have both played this great course, taking bids from each of you to be my partner in the 2021 member guest. That Michael would make a lot more sense than Are I. we looking at the spring member guest? Because it might be hard for me to get down there. In early March. Just Bear asking. in mind that my father and brother are both avid players and live in Beaufort, South Carolina, but I come to you first. You may submit your bid by mail. Talk. You, you play Ch- Ch- Chance a member. You play yeah, Chance Ch- all the time. Now, what you have to learn as a new member is when you go to dinner, it's not on the menu, but ask for the fried shrimp. It's a continuation of what they do with the shrimp po' boy for lunch. Game right. changer as a starter. Do you want to play with this guy? It sounds like he comes from a golfing field. Yeah, we'll definitely play. You know, you should do Some it. of us will be down there, uh, you know, around the holiday season. Some of you invited. You know, uh, you know what? Because that leads me into talking about, I've been shamed by Chan and Moni. How have you been shamed? They already sent out a Christmas card. Tis the season. Pictures of all their grandchildren. And I, we don't, last year, I think we had a picture of the dog. I didn't. We you had a have, picture of the dog that was years old. We don't have any pictures of the grandchildren because I thought that I actually thought that Michael and Liz said, "Don't, don't do that." You know, didn't you say that at one point? So at I didn't no do that. Point. You didn't. We've, s- we've asked that certain members of this household do not post pictures of the children on social media. Oh, but right. that's you know well, they don't really have a say. Am I am I able to put pictures? Well, that means we I have to go get a card. Pictures of our boys. To your university, so that behind how every does, single, how does that look? It looks amazing. Can you get me that picture? I'll send that out as yeah. a Christmas card. Bootsy's wearing a junior Bearcat shirt. He's yeah. got his celebrity sunglasses on. Yeah, and the hammer's oh. roaring like a lion. Yeah, so that's so that's good. Maybe we'll do that anyway. One of the things that when they sent this, they used a, a bunny stamp, a forever stamp with a rabbit. It's a rabbit stamp. Ooh, don't show. And chess. then, well, it says there. The Moni wrote, "Hello, Chessie." Because this could be dinner. That particular bunny could be dinner. So I got a big kick Now, out for of a that. holiday card, how current does a photo, and this goes back to Chessie, how current does a photo have to be to be used? I don't care. It has to be that I, year. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. has to be that year. But for kids who are, care. our boys are three and a half, one and a half, does it have to be within the last three months because no. they change so much? No. You just don't care. 
No, just a nice card. Just what to would send you, something if you out. had made a card this year? Spoiler alert: You didn't. I didn't. Nor will you. What no. would you have on it? Well, you mean the picture? I'd have uh, Lupica on a horse, <laughs> and I'd have all of our names on it, and that's what that'd be funny <laughs> for I'd me. Say, I would anyway. have a. I'd have a picture. <laughs> Nigel of your, thinks that's the funniest thing. I'd have a picture of your cl- uh, cluttered attic. Yeah, you could put a picture of the attic. Cheers, Tony yeah. Cordai. Yeah, that'll be fine. So I got this from Philip, Philip Wiley, who's a psychology instructor at Southern Union State Community College in Wadley, or Alabama. And he writes, in the spirit of Chuck Norris can divide by zero, and Chuck Norris counted to infinity twice, I submit that Wilbon would never be surprised when tasked with the Bethesda Bagels read. He would also never be surprised by the quality of the song submitted to the show and never be surprised by the plot of a Hallmark Channel Christmas movie. Okay, maybe no one would be surprised by that last one, but you get the point. Also, if it's not too much to ask in my first email to be read on the air, could I be the official community college psychology instructor? Yeah, all of that. that, that that's fine. But the Chuck Norris stuff, that, that's like about 20 years old, right? And it was always this Chuck Norris is... He's God, and he does this, and he does that. And I'm not saying that things weren't funny, because they are. Chuck Norris counted to infinity twice is a very clever line. But where is is Chuck Norris still alive? Does, yes. does the mystique of Chuck Norris still exist? Does that exist? In our minds. I mean, I never thought of Chuck Norris as anything but a sort of short guy who was built pretty well, who was in action movies that I never cared for. I'm not an action movie guy. Am I wrong about this? No, you know, I mean, that, that 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 sort of those line of jokes just I thought sort of came out of nowhere. He was always a great tough guy, but not like, yeah, in my opinion, like a Charles Bronson tough guy, but, you know, a good tough guy. Um, and then those jokes came out and all the jokes were very funny. And that sort of gave him a bit of resurgence. Um, he still is with us. I think the last sort of movies he did were he's got a hairpiece, right? A significant hairpiece. Doesn't um, am I making that up? I don't, I don't, think so. I don't know. I wish that I had his hairpiece. I wish I knew his tailor. You know, as well. But I, I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, you know, sometimes like sometimes Mike and I make references on the PTI show. And then as soon as we say them, one of us or both of us realizes nobody's going to get that. It's just so long ago. When, when was the actual so run of Walker, Texas Ranger? I don't know. It's got to be 35 or 40 years ago. Not that long ago, right? It's, it's uh, not in the 80s. It's not in the 80s? I thought like maybe late 80s, early 90s. 1993 to 2001. Oh, okay. So then he's more current than I thought. I mean, to me, the funniest stuff about Tough Guys is the ending of Bowfinger when, when, what's his name, Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy's brother come out as samurai soldiers. (laughs) Speaking of which, I was watching yesterday, I I just like landed on a John Belushi semi-documentary which was oh. it was an it was sort of odd. I mean, I didn't love it. I, I didn't love it because it just there was no sort of intelligent thread guiding us from period to period in Belushi's life. It was all it was not narration. It was just and so and so says and so and so says and another person says. And you know what I mean? I didn't it didn't do much for me. Have you seen it? The Belushi thing? I have not seen it. Um, yeah, mostly because I because I think I'll get sad because I, I I was such a big fan of John Belushi that and you know it's like watching the Titanic. You know how that movie ends, and obviously yeah. the, the end for Belushi was so was so tragic. Um, well, apparently then, he had he had feelings of uh, jealousy and antagonism towards Chevy Chase when Chevy Chase became the breakout star of the first year of Saturday think, Night Live. And when I say that, I'm going back forty five years now. Right. So. So, so this, nobody knows what I'm talking was about. The documentary just like pieces of sketches. No, no, it, there was there was, you know, people talking about Belushi and all of that. I just I don't know. It didn't it didn't do much for me. I, sometimes I think when people make documentaries and they actually don't have a coherent thread and, and they just let everybody who they talk to talk. I just think that's an abdication of responsibility. I mean, I, I think there should be a narrator. I mean, I think there should be somebody to just put it together. Just the responsibility on you, the viewer. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, and I don't want to really have that responsibility. Can I just talk about something? Brian Windorf's going to be on a little while, and people probably expect me to do this. John Wall was traded even up for Russell Westbrook the other day, yesterday, I guess, or the night before. We hadn't talked about it. We didn't know about it on this show, and um, and I want to talk about it, however, briefly. I'm not a fan of John Wall. I don't think John Wall's a great player. 
um, as somebody who watched John Wall's entire pro career close up, uh, I think that John Wall's career in Washington was characterized by two things. One, he was always upset that he didn't have a better sneaker contract and made sure to tell everybody who ever talked to him he should have a better sneaker contract. And two, he was always upset that he wasn't on prime television more. And he always thought, hey, I'm a better player than this. How come my team isn't on prime television more? How come? And it was because they weren't very good. The Wizards weren't very good. And he and Bradley Beal, you know, they were good individual players, but they didn't even play well together. John Wall was always going ahead of the pack. John Wall was faster than everybody else. And that led to a lot of breakaway baskets. And his statistics are wonderful. And he got to the playoffs four or five times, and he advanced a couple of times. But in the most important game of his career, in my thought, Game seven against the Boston Celtics after getting on the table in game six. And this has bothered me for years, as everybody knows. After getting on the table in game six and just acknowledging how great he was in game seven in Boston, which they lost, he missed his last 11 shots in a game seven and had no points in the fourth quarter in a game seven. And at the time, the excuse was made for him by the people who loved him. Well, he was he's tired. He was tired. He played so hard. He was tired. Kelly Olynyk had more points than he had. Kelly Olynyk in the fourth quarter had more points than John Wall. I mean, I just never thought that John Wall was as great as other people thought. Thought he was very good. I would have drafted him with the overall number one a hundred times out of a hundred. I just didn't think he was as great as he thought he was. I wish him all the luck in the world in Houston. This is a trade of people that make so much money they can only be traded for each other. But I think I'd rather have Russell Westbrook, who plays at a, at a warp speed all the time, but sort of knows what he can't do. He's not a great outside shooter, so he doesn't take a lot of outside shots. He's now going to be on a team with Bradley Beal and Davis Bertans, who are great outside shooters. And, and if Russell Westbrook can just go to the basket where he's completely unstoppable and then every once in a while turn around and feed Bertans or Beal, I think they'll be a better team than with John Wall coming back from an Achilles injury. It's really hard, really hard to come back from that when, when what your stock and trade is is speed. Most people don't have the same speed after an Achilles injury. And again, it's, I don't, it's not that I don't think John Wall's a really good player. I think Russell Westbrook's a considerably better player, and I guess I would say that on the record. Michael, you watched, you, you know, your basketball experience is John Wall. What do you think? Well, you, you just look at the debut, and, and you forget the, the fanfare that came in when he, when he enters, and he teaches us how to, how to Dougie. And how to do waiting, the Dougie. And you're waiting for that to translate to something on the court. And you're right, that the early years were stuck by that getting the shoe deal, and then you had the chances in the playoffs where really nothing came to happen. But there's something so so old school and just simple playground basketball about a straight-up trade. And then you start to wonder, what else is what else might you find out about that? But don't you think he has to have some of the speed back if they're willing to take that risk? Um, like, they have to have sources well, they, he can run. Well, when you say he has to, yeah, I, I think a lot of people have seen him play and, and think he's playing great. A lot of people saw Clay Thompson play and thought he was playing great until he got another injury. Um, pickup games are not the same as NBA games. I think you make that trade because when you're Houston, you have two players who don't want to be there. And you can get a player for the same amount of money and not have to trade anything else. And then maybe down the road, you can maybe... I mean, John Wall's an asset. John Wall's an overall number one pick. He's a really, really fine player. I just don't think he's as good as Russell Westbrook. You know, well, I mean, and you think about it for the fans, too, where you're getting a player that you have seen on those primetime and big moment games for years now. Yeah. I mean, Russell Westbrook is, is a force of nature. And John Wall may be when he comes back, but we haven't seen him in two years. We haven't seen him. And, and, and I, also, I am soured by the obvious and overt lying of the general manager of the Washington <laughs> Wizards, who said that John Wall didn't ask for a trade and he wasn't going to trade him. And then, you know, 10 seconds later, he traded him. I mean, just, you know, don't treat us like fools. Just don't treat us like fools, which is what Tommy Shepard did. Now, having said that, I think he got a great trade out of it. I do. 
So that's my position that I've taken before. And I think I'm in the minority. And I think John Wall was extremely popular in Washington, D.C., though I would not have used the word beloved. I would not have used the word. Wes Unseld was beloved. Yes. I would not have used the word beloved as was in the paper the other day. Okay, Do that's you, what I go ahead. I was going to say, do you think that this this shows the, the real long term thinking of the of the Wizards when they got Scott Brooks a few years ago that they're like, well, first, we'll get Scott Brooks for a few years, then we'll get Russell Westbrook after that. I thought they wanted Kevin Durant, who Russell Westbrook didn't like and who didn't like Russell Westbrook. And they right. didn't even get an interview with Kevin Durant. The greatest contract, guaranteed. Yeah, but, but Scott Brooks, $7 million a year, five years. This is his last year. Right. Um, he has coached Russell Westbrook before. Maybe that'll work. Maybe that'll save both, both of them. I don't know. I, I like to trade from the Washington standpoint. Coach, we'll take, gets, coach gets an extension. Uh, I don't know. He, he's going to have to win two rounds in the playoffs for that. Um, so we will have Brian Windhorst when we come back, yes? That is right. We'll have that correct, Brian Windhorst, yeah. when we come back, and he'll talk about this. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Are you an Amazon Prime member? Michael, you are, aren't I you? I am. Did you As know you can watch NFL football live on Prime Video? Did you know that? Uh, yeah, well, I've, we've been doing these reads now That's for about two right. months. It's the future of football. <laughs> you can catch all the action on any device almost anywhere in the world. And again... I don't think you can catch it on a on a pot, you know, like like if you or, hold up a pot that you're going to cook rice in. I don't think you can catch it on that. I don't think you've tried an instant so. pot. You can choose your favorite announcer. Oh, they didn't even give me the names anymore. Bucky Brooks and the other guy. Mwah. Get next gen stats and watch in-game replays on demand all within Prime Video's X-Ray. Instead of Thursday night this week, catch the Dallas Cowboys at the Baltimore Ravens on Tuesday, December 8th. That's just in a few days, Tuesday, December 8th. Kickoff is 8.05 p.m. Eastern on Prime Video, also available on Fox and NFL Network, NFL Network simulcast, subject to change. And it's presented, as all of you must know, since I read this all the time, by Bud Light Platinum. Not just Bud Light, Bud Light Platinum. Upgrade, baby. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes to us from Julia Steiner, a big fan of the podcast. In fact, Spotify just informed her that the Tony Kornheiser show was my second most listened to podcast in 2020 behind only the PTI show. She writes, <laughs> I play in a band from Chicago called Rat Boys. Strange name, I know, but we're running with it. Back in February, we released our third album, Printer's Devil, just before the world shut down. Normally, we're on tour most of the year where you and your many guests have kept us company on countless drives across the country. Now that we're stuck at home, it's been so nice to tune into the show and have a bit of consistency amid the chaos. This Friday is Bandcamp Friday. That's today where the site waives their share of all revenue and gives 100% to the artists. If anyone ever wanted to grab a record of ours, this Friday, the 4th of December, is a great time to do it at ratboys.bandcamp.com. Uh, this is called A Vision, right? That's the right song, A Vision? That's Again, right. sent to us from Julia Steiner and the Rat Boys, and they will be back with us as the show goes on. So don't worry about that. And they play in Brian Windhorst, who I saw yesterday on TV when, early in the morning I saw Brian, when I had found out that, um, well, I found out the night before, I guess, late the night before, that Westbrook had moved from Houston for Wall in Washington. And as everybody knows, because they've heard me say it a thousand times, I love this trade for Washington, but I thought Brian would have a better perspective on it because he hasn't been burdened by having to watch the Washington Wizards for X amount of years with John Wall go nowhere, absolutely nowhere. So let me, let me start with the most obvious thing and take my prejudices out of this. Why do you make this trade if you're Houston? Well, I think this trade is really about the other stars involved. I mean, it's hard to say that when you're talking about, you know, all-star, I mean, all-star point guards. I mean, I know yeah. John Wall isn't an all-star today. And they made but he 40 was. Million, and they made $40 million they get traded for each other. I mean, this is the definition of a blockbuster. But I'm sitting here saying this is about Bradley Beal and James Harden. And uh, it's different for both of them. Um, this is, I think, Houston trying to salvage 
the situation, which is they know that they absolutely positively know Westbrook and Harden are not going to work out together. Um, and so they're trying to find a way to keep their fingers in the dam, so to speak. Uh, I do not think it's going to work. Uh, and I think the fact that they got the first round pick, uh, and I think they're also hedging, and I don't think this is a strong bet. I, I want to be clear, but they're also hedging that if Wall recovers from this Achilles, uh, that it might be better to have him for the next three years than Russell Westbrook. But I mean, you know, you're not staking your reputation on that. Um, I think Harden will be out of there by the trade deadline, which looks like it's going to be in late March. Uh, it may be well before, but that's what they're trying to do. And, and Washington, uh, you know, uh, this is about holding Bradley Beal. I mean, I don't think it's a revolutionary idea that they have transitioned from John Wall as their franchise player to Bradley Beal. This is clear. And while, um, trust me, there have been plenty of people out there who have checked in with the Wizards and checked in with Bradley Beal, however they do that. Are you happy in Washington? The answer is still yes. But the Wizards are very aware that that may not be yes indefinitely. And so this trade, they trade for a guy who was on the All-NBA team last year. He was third-team All-NBA. And he will, in theory, give them some more ammunition this year to compete with Charlotte and Atlanta, who – have upgraded their rosters, and the Wizards need to make the playoffs this year, or I think Bradley Beal could be out of there, and that's a move in this direction. Is it a slam dunk, Tony? No, but I think it will be an upgrade from what they can expect from John Wall. So let, let me be very specific here. You then, Brian, don't think that James Harden will like this, and it will not keep him there, and he will agitate to be traded? I do not think that this is a significant change in the Rockets' situation. And again, the fact that they are trading for first-round picks, they have now traded for three first-round picks since James Harden has issued his trade demand, it leads me to believe that they know where this is headed. Now, the reports are out there, Tony, and I haven't seen it with my own eyes, but I keep hearing from people, oh, I saw John Wall play in L.A., he looks great. I Mm -hmm. saw John Wall play in Miami, he looks great. I'm sure other Rockets players have seen it and they've talked to their management and said, oh, yeah, he looks great. I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe John Wall will get out there and he's speeding up and down the court and, and Harden's like, wait a minute, you know, this is a guy who's easier to play with than, uh, than, than Westbrook and, and maybe this will be good. And that's what I think they're trying to do. But uh, with the information that I have now, I do not think this changes Harden's uh, opinion of the Rockets, which is that their championship window – has set, and he doesn't want to spend the back of his prime with an organization whose window is set. So I have to um, engage with Wilbon all the time, and Wilbon loves no one in the world more than he loves Daryl Morey. So everything Daryl Morey does is great. So (laughs) that meant that, of course, getting Russell Westbrook to play with James Harden when most of the rest of us said this isn't going to work, that was great because Daryl Morey did it. So I should ask this. The new owner of the Rockets, he's only been there a couple of years, Tillman Fertitta, does he have any idea what he's doing? He thinks he does. You know, oh, yeah, he, I know that. He, he yeah. thinks he does. Um, you know, he's a big believer in Tillman Fertitta. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he, uh, in, you know, he uh, in fairness, uh, Tony, out of all the NBA owners, he's been probably hit as hard by the pandemic as anybody. Not only does he lose the whole China thing, just it hit his pocketbook hard. Then the guy owns uh, restaurants, casinos, and mm-hmm. hotels. Okay, mm-hmm. and the the moves that they have made progressively over the last year have been to dump money. And um, you know, I, I think if he were here talking, he would say, "Well." Did you expect me to, to, to throw more money at this team than I thought was only going to be a fourth-place team? And I could say, you know, okay, it's a fair point, but uh, the organization is going in the wrong direction, and the hiring of Steven Silas as head coach was a brokered hire, and this was kind of a disaster because I, I'm pretty sure that Tillman Fertitta wanted to hire Jeff Van Gundy. So you had a, a guy who was coach of the year, well-respected coach, Mike D'Antoni, who gets out of there. Now maybe he broke up with them before they could break up with him, but – he leaves. One of the best executives in the NBA leaves. They replace them with two first-time guys, all right, who are vastly cheaper 
Now, again, Tillman Fertitta could say to you, I think they're going to be excellent. Forget about their yep. salary. But I, Gail Morey was the second or third highest paid executive. I think now he's the highest paid executive. They have a guy who's now one of the lowest paid executives. Same with the coach. He wants to hire Jeff Van Gundy. He loves Jeff Van Gundy, has known Jeff Van Gundy for years. Uh, Jeff is a, now a Houston guy, has been since he coached the Rockets last 15 years ago. And he wants to hire him. Well, guess what? His players don't want to hire him. Uh, or don't want him hired. I don't know why exactly Harden and Westbrook weren't in favor of it, but I don't think this is a secret. And so uh, they wanted to hire Tyron Lue, who was a very popular amongst the players. Well, Tyron Lue ended up not being available. He doesn't hire Jeff Van Gundy, so there's a brokered candidate in Stephen Silas, who, in fairness, I have known for 18 years. I think he's a fabulous coach. Hope the best for him. Have nothing but positive things to say. But that was a brokered candidate to say, okay, let's go with this. Within five minutes of the guy having his press conference and introducing him, you got Westbrook and Harden saying, trade me. And that pissed Fertitta off. Now, no matter what you think of Tillman Fertitta, you can certainly understand why he would be upset with that. Now, you could make the argument that he brought it on himself by the way he handled it, and maybe he did. But now he's sitting there saying to James Harden, look, I'm paying you $40 million to be my star player. Be my star player and come in and do this. And so we'll see. It's now The ball is now in Harden's court. Uh, there was a report in the New York Times yesterday that he has not been at the Rockets' um, workouts so far. Uh, you know, they have individual workouts this week, and then training camp, in quotes, starts on Sunday. Is he showing up on Sunday and being a full participant and ready to go with a smiling face? I mean, he's professional. I expect him to, but we'll wait and see. Let me go to the other guy. Let me go to Westbrook. Uh, Westbrook's been dealt... A number of times now. This is his third, right? This is the third team. He started in Oklahoma City. Uh, He wanted to get out. They sent him to Houston. He wanted to get out. They sent him to Washington. These are not glamour cities. He's apparently said a number of times he doesn't really like Magic Johnson. He doesn't want to play for the Lakers, which is his hometown team. I know what his flaws are. I know he's not a great outside shooter. But my God, he gets to the rim on everybody. And he goes to a team, and I, it's not that I think the Wizards are any good, but they got two guys who can shoot. They got Beal and Bertans who can shoot. This seems to me to be a pretty good spot for Russell Westbrook if he wants to be in the East, which he hasn't been, and if he is at all enamored with Washington, D.C. Do you have any sense of that? All right, let me, so here's the case on Russell Westbrook. We got Kevin Durant who said, I'm going to go elsewhere. Was it all because of Westbrook? No, he said, I want to go elsewhere. He gets Paul George in there. He says, I want to go elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, were they at each other's throats? No, but he says, I'd like to take this exit ramp. He goes one year with Harden, and I think it was he who wanted to be away from Harden. But my point is, we have three star pairings there that he has an opportunity with that ultimately do not end on amicable terms. I think he's okay with Paul George, but again, Paul George said, I want to leave. Now you're saying, okay, let's marry him to Bradley Beal. Am I going to make a wager today that after seeing these last three that this is going to be a beautiful marriage? I'm not going to make that wager. Okay, that's the negative side. Now let me say the positive side. The man is an absolute machine. He will come with a relentless attack, a relentless pursuit to win every single night. He plays at full speed all of the time, and... I agree with you, Tony, from a basketball standpoint, the shooting spread that the, war, that the Wizards can put out there. And I'm going to add Thomas Bryant to that because I know that he is not known as a big man shooter. But if you look at his statistics, he shot 40% last year on threes, and I think he will take more. Now, I don't know how he fits with Rui Hachimura, but um, he is going to play super high speed. He's going to be super motivated. And uh, look, comparing him, who was an all-NBA player, this past season to a guy who hasn't played in two years and coming off the worst injury you can have in a basketball for a basketball player, especially for a speed guard. I don't think there's any question that the wizards in theory should be a better team with Russell Westbrook. Does it work for more than a few months? That's the other question. I don't know the answer to that. I'll get you out of here on this. Um, how is wall thought of around the league? Is he thought of as an underachieving player? Cause considering he was the overall number one, and he's never even been to the conference finals? Or is he thought of as somebody who was star-crossed in Washington with a bad team, and if you put him with better players, he's going to be great? 
you know, he's got an interesting reputation because uh, on one hand, at times, he has, not, he has not been a guy who has shown that he wants to be in the best physical condition. He's allowed himself to get out of condition a few times. And for a player whose skill set is totally based on, you know, that speed, speed. that's been hurtful. On the other hand, this guy, is, he's played through so many injuries, and he's been relentless. I mean, the one thing I'll say about, I remember talking to DeMarcus Cousins, who's you know, one of the best friends in his war, on the world, asking him about when John Wall had his career season a few years ago that got this contract. I remember DeMarcus saying, and I, I can't think of a better way to put it, that John Wall is the most stubborn person in the world. No matter what you tell him, he's going to believe a certain thing, and he's going to do it. And I also think he's great in the community. One thing that I've been telling people nationally over the last 48 hours that you can attest to, John Wall is one of the most popular athletes that Washington, D.C. has seen. You know, I mean, look, I know he's not Ovechkin. Uh, I understand that. But uh, he's very, very popular in D.C., from my view, because of the kind of person he is. And so I, I think he's a, he's a guy I want on my team when he's healthy and in shape. But those two things have not aligned that much. They've aligned a few times. He's been an all-star. He's got a Supermax contract. Can he be healthy and in shape? That's the biggest thing. If that's what the Rockets can get, then they will do okay in this trade. But I, I just, I can't, the crystal ball's rough on this one. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much for being on. I appreciate it. Waking up early. I'll see you when I get to watch you on television. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Have a good weekend. Brian Windhorse is great. He's great. Love having him on. We will take a break. We will come back. Jeff Ma will pick some games for us when we return. And I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Hey, everyone. This new world we're living in has me and my family talking a lot more. I mean, we're talking about everything from how much greater was the greatest of all time than today's greatest to how to make sourdough bread, which, as I say, Michael and Elizabeth know how to do, to how excited we are that football is back, and all that's important. that bulk fermentation. Yeah, and we, um, we're also talking about how thin I am and how my daughter-in-law was aghast upon looking at me and how thin I was. Portion controlling. I can't keep watching my dog run circles in the backyard and call that a spectator sport. Actually, I can. But despite how talkative we all are, the people at Lincoln Financial want to point out the one conversation that most people still haven't had, and that is about your financial plans. So do find time to talk to your loved ones about it. Because the more we talk, the better we plan, protect, and retire. That's why Lincoln Financial is here to help you. Get the right questions to start your conversation at lincolnfinancial.com. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, we have the Rat Boys. And uh, Julie Steiner says, thanks so much for reading the message. I hope you're successful in returning your surplus pair of dungarees. I'm wearing them. They're awful. <laughs> that the attic doesn't get too drafty this winter and that you have a wonderful holiday season with Liz, Michael, Chessie, and the boys. That's very, very nice. The Rat Boys, a Chicago band. This is called My Hands Grow. And Michael, if people want to send in their original music like Julia Steiner sent in from the Rat Boys. How do they do that? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. And just for the record, the Pants made their TV, television debut last uh, last night. Oh, those were... Yeah, except that I don't think you could see the Pants um, on TV because they only shoot me from the waist up. But those were the other Pants, not these dungarees. Well, the dungarees you're wearing. Yeah, those were the... And I'll, I'll wear them again today. Those were the Eddie Bauer Pants. Liz saw me in the Eddie Bauer pants and a shirt and a tie and gasped at how thin I was, right? I mean, you tell you heard that. Yeah, what, I heard the gasp. I mean, doesn't she think I'm too thin? We're, we're all worried about your, uh, your consumption of calories or that lack I, thereof. I, I'm not eating enough food. Yeah, yes. I had a half of a pork chop last night. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Jeff Ma joins us, and I want to discuss something with Jeff that Jeff would be more conversant in than, than I, and that is the uh, sort of ethics and rules of betting. And that would be this. If you, both you and Chuck Todd, by the way, both you and Chuck Todd last week took Baltimore against Pittsburgh at what was supposed to be the Thanksgiving night game, the spread was five and a half, Baltimore plus five and a half. So when the game was ultimately played, even though the line for the game then was like ten and a half, you still would have won. I want to give credit to both you and Chuck Todd for a win 
based on my notion that somehow you could not get out of that bet, that if you made that bet at five and a half, regardless of what happened with COVID and postponements and rescheduling, you were on the hook for five and a half. Am I right or wrong about that? Uh, you're wrong on it. It's just because the because the game got moved in terms of the time um, and the date, I think the the actual rules would have stipulated that that would have been a non-bet at most places. Oh, I was going to give you credit, which would have made you 4-1 and one and 28-29-3. and three. Would you let me do that, or do you don't want me to do that? I don't think it's right, because if I had lost that game, I would not have obviously wanted that as a loss. I, I mean, the, there was such a significant change. I mm-hmm. mean, the, you know, the the weird thing about it is, right, like the the – New Orleans game was probably even a, a larger change, obviously, with at that point, and I took advantage of that, and and that, and I did, you know, uh, I, that wouldn't have been a non-bet because that game wasn't moved. So I, I think right. it's just a, it's, I, I don't think we deserve credit for it because realistically, it would not have been a bet. We would have had okay. to rebet that. Then I then I'll take I'll take that down for both you and for Chuck. But I would ask this: that went the Denver game. Denver had no quarterback. They had no professional quarterback. I, I don't even see how you can put a line on a game like that. What happened in the New Orleans-Denver game? What was the movement on that? Yeah, it went from, I think, what, five and a half, which is what New Orleans was favored, all the way up to, I think, maybe even 15 or 16 by the time of close. I mean, it reopened. They closed it, and then it reopened at close to 14. Um, so that's one of the biggest line moves I've ever seen. Um, and you, you can understand it. They go from, I mean, it's funny because they went from a quarterback that isn't that great, Drew Locke, to all of a sudden not having a quarterback at all. And that, that drop-off was, was the biggest line move I've ever seen. I would never, there's no way, I may not have bet New Orleans. There's no way you could ever entice me to bet Denver. They don't have a, a, a they had nobody who'd played the position. Right? You just can't do it. You can't. Right? I mean, not only that, but they just didn't even have any real time to prepare, right? So it was like, it was a combination of, uh, I, I don't know, it, it, it was an unprecedented moment in, in betting, um, you know, the, the total, uh, like there being prediction of like low scoring and the fact that New Orleans was going to win that game by a lot. Um, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't have, you, you wouldn't have been able to get me to bet the over or to bet on Denver in that game. What happened with the movement? So yeah, what happened with the movement of the of the Baltimore Pittsburgh game? How high did that? That got to ten and a half, right? Yeah, that went to ten and a half, and and um, you know, again, like there's just so much indecision. There's so much unknown in a lot of these. Like you have these players, obviously that that you're swapping out, and we're used to that because of injuries. But then you have this sort of lack of prep. I mean, Baltimore wasn't able to practice for something like seven or eight days straight. And so they also had just a bunch of guys beyond, you know, Lamar Jackson and the running backs. They had a bunch of guys out. So you saw them wear down. But what's just so funny is these, these point spreads, like every time we, we talk about games, there'll be a bad team that I bet on. You'll be like, how can you bet on them? It's because these point spreads, like you get a, a Trace McSorley coming in and throwing a bomb. And, and all of a sudden the point spread, which seemed to be well in hand, is no longer in hand anymore. Would you have bet that game? At ten and a half, would you have taken Baltimore oh, I, ten I mean, and a half? I, I I didn't bet it. I mean, I I kind of right. watched it and 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 I I thought a lot about it, but I I didn't bet it. And it's just like this, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon at noon, there's better things to be doing than worrying about whether Robert, you know, RG three can complete three passes in a row or something. Oh, he was terrible. He threw twelve times and gained thirty three yards. It's terrible as a passer. Absolutely terrible. And then after the game said if he hadn't gotten hurt, they would have won, which to me was wishful thinking. I don't, I don't think that would have happened. Uh, what do you have for us this week, Jeff? We're going to go with Cleveland plus the six. Um, Cleveland team is um, pretty talented, obviously. And, and you know, Tennessee, their, their defense is um, pretty weak. Um, so getting the six points, I, I like that here. You are not worried by the fact that Cleveland in big games against good teams gets drilled. Well, 
I mean, that's the narrative. And the question about Tennessee is how good are they really? I mean, I think that they're a solid team for sure, but defensively they're they're relatively weak and, and Cleveland just has, has set themselves up pretty well they they're going to run the ball a lot um and but they're going to have success running the ball um and so I I do think that they can keep this game within that number okay what else I'm going to take Detroit plus the three I just even with you know the struggles that Detroit has I just don't see a world where Chicago should be a three-point favorite over anyone at this point um, you know, obviously their defense is really solid, but um, offensively they they struggle. Um, Trubisky seems to be a little bit better moving the ball than Foles was, but um, I still think Detroit is you know arguably an even team with them and and getting three points here and and hopefully what will be a, a bounce back game for them. It seems like they didn't like Patricia very much, so. You know, when teams react to these firings, you don't really know what's going to happen. But in this case, I'm I'm banking on a little bounce back from Detroit here. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is there is there when a guy gets fired in midseason? Is there a book on what often happens or most often happens with that team, help or hurt? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's enough, you know, real sample to know for sure. But I, I mean, I think we all this is one of the ones where we all look at the narratives and. The narratives in this case are, you know, look, they didn't like Patricia. Like a lot of people are coming out and saying that right now. So it, this does seem. I mean, the the evidence we've had this year, right? With Atlanta, they've played much better. With Houston, yes, they, they did. Much better. Yes, and, yes. And so, and and you know, if you look at those, I mean, but they're they're all obviously all different cases. But um, I'm willing to take a shot on Detroit here. Okay, what else? I'm going to take your favorite team, the Jets, plus the oh. nine and a half. Oh. Um, you know, it's it's just too many points. It, again, like similar situation to, you know, what we've talked about where, you know, to, to get m- money on the Jets, they've got to make this line too high. And I think the line is too high. Right, the Jets are so bad. What else? <laughs> I feel so like I'm bad, disgusting Jeff. you. I'm, well, I'm going to so take, uh, take the Cardinals plus the three against the Rams. Um, this is a spot where... Obviously, um, you know, the Rams defense is, it seems like it's a real thing. It's very good. The Rams offense um, is not very good. Arizona at home in this game, um, getting three points, um, just hoping for Kyler to be able to outrun Aaron Donald and, and get the win here. Okay. And you got a fifth game for us? Uh, I do. I'm going to take Denver plus the 14. Um, Kansas City is obviously the juggernaut that no one, um, wants to get in the way of, but, you know, hoping that Denver obviously gets some quarterbacks here, which I believe they're going to, and plus the 14 points here. Um, I, I just think it's, you know, too many points in an NFL game. 14 points is just a ton. It's a lot of points. It's a divisional game, which tends to be closer than, than other games. Uh, I, if I were, if I were Andy Reid, I might look at what happened with Pittsburgh and say, you know, we we don't want to have this letdown game where we win and win just by a little. We want to be better than that. I don't know. It's interesting because I don't think Denver's very good. Uh, I don't think the Jets are very good. I don't think Detroit's very good. You take, you always take teams where I look and I go, he's not going to win that. And then very often you do win that. So that's why you do this. That's why you have bet the process and why I don't. Because I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, looks. Well, you, you do have like a, a TV show, a daily TV show on a basic cable channel, right? Yes, to prove that I don't know what I'm talking about. Yes, there, it, I put that example out there for the American public every single day. Good luck with these. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Tony. Bye. Jeff Ma, boys and girls, we will take a break. Uh, we will have email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the ZipRecruiter ad. Businesses have had to be flexible this year from working remotely to pivoting their business models for long-term survival and growth. Restaurants, moving their dining outdoors, adding takeout, catering. Some consumer packaged good companies have shifted to focus more on surface cleaners or personal hygiene products. Major retails, retailers now selling face masks. If you're in charge of hiring for your business, these pivots have made your job even more challenging, especially if you have to hire for brand new roles. Thankfully, there's one place that you can always count on to make hiring faster and easier, and that is ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. 
When you post on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job boards with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's powerful technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. So it's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y. Let ZipRecruiter take hiring off your plate so you can focus on growing your business. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. One, two, three, four. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Mr. Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all of you folks. It's lovely. Greg Rosendahl and Lindsay Merrill. Very, very lovely. Thank you very much. Nigel, Bethesda Bagels there. Yes, we uh, love Bethesda Bagels. You will as well. Uh, just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location nearest you. We got the bagel sandwiches today. We're always you didn't tell me. Stuff. You didn't yeah, tell so me. I, yeah, so I forgot to uh, give you the heads up on that. But it's always yes. a nice surprise when we get them. So stop on by. Get that. Except and no sausage sandwich today for Dad. Yeah, we want the sausage sandwiches. We like the sausage sandwiches, just so you know. Is that yeah. okay? Where are yes. they? Tell people where they're located. Uh, BethesdaBagels.com for the location nearest you in the D.C. area. Nigel acts thrown by this whole thing. Nigel acts like, what is he talking and about? Sorry what for any he? any confusion. The, the code TK Lights for Johnny O should be good right now. We're good through the holiday season. I'm rocking the Duffy vest today. It's beautiful. And the on-the-range sneakers, which, again, give you nothing but lift. So good. That's it for us today. Let me just say this. Deep down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans, we're back up in the woods among the evergreens. There stood a log cabin made of earth and wood. We lived a country boy named Johnny B. Good, who never, ever learned to read or write so well, but he could play guitar just like ringing a bell. Go, go. Go, Johnny, go. Chuck Berry. He's American music. Chuck Berry. Thanks to our guest today, Brian Windhorst. Thanks to Jeff Ma, host of the podcast, Bet the Process. Thanks to our sponsors, Amazon Prime, Lincoln Financial, ZipRecruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you listen on the show through iTunes, please leave us a review from Jeff Zeller in Bethel Park, Pennsylvania. I must have missed it on Wednesday's show. Can you repeat the promo code for bad boy mower? So we've gotten a lot of bad boy mower things, which makes me happy. From Kevin Korn in Baltimore, loved your ridiculous bowl name mockery, Bad Boy Mower Bowl. I thought it was fake, but in fact, it was the Bad Boy Mower's Gasparilla Bowl from 2017 to 2019. It had me wondering if you could spot the one fake bowl name out of the following list. The Cherubundi Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl, the Beef O'Brady Bowl, the Poulan Weed Eater Independence Bowl, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, the Gotham Bowl, which I've been to, the Salad Bowl. It's a trick question because all of them are real or were real at one time or another. From Russell W. Cruz in Shreveport, Louisiana, where I've been and where I met Valerie Bertinelli, if you, who's a native of Shreveport. If you ever need an example to illustrate how someone can be excited and sad at the same time, when you began your rant about lower-tier bowl games, I said to myself, well, there's no way he doesn't reference my hometown Independence Bowl in Shreveport. And then you did. Yay, I was right. <laughs> Best wishes from the frontier. From yeah, Shad, yeah. <laughs> Bad Boy Mower Bowl, Watergate, everything else. Answer is money. From James in Toledo, Ohio. Since you're up with the times when it comes to the latest in technology, I thought I'd let you know that Pizza Hut has begun selling auto parts online. Yeah, in fact, they've been using abandoned fields in Sweden to grow them right out of the ground. Oh, the magic of Swedish fields. The delivery process is easy. Go online, pick the part you want, preferably in a new size you're trying out. Use the color wheel in order. When you're done, they have helpful phone people in the Philippines to let you know when your parts will arrive. To be fair, the hut has all those extra cast iron laying around. Yeah, they Personal do have that. Pants. Yeah. Nobody out pizzas the hut, I'm told. <laughs> Bill Garner um, in North Potomac. Bar. When I was looking for a car about a year and a half ago, I was deciding between a Subaru and a Volvo. Being the father of two who may or may not like me, I bought a Volvo. From Nick Forsythe, as a third-generation little and first-time emailer, I could not stand idle after hearing the disrespect of BMW. As I stayed in my subject line, it is the ultimate driving machine. Subaru and Volvo owners wish they made the decision to purchase one as it flies by them in the left lane. This brings me back to your license plate game from a bit back. Instead of counting plate numbers, count the number of BMW drivers with a smile on their face driving compared to the frowning Subaru and Volvo owners. 
La Cheeserie, Nick Forsyth. P.S. If you ever find yourself up 95, I would love to have you and or Michael out at Jericho National. Is Jericho National, is that like in Jericho, Long Island? I don't know Jericho National. From Gabrielle Renault, our favorite from Ottawa, Canada. On behalf of Luke Russert and Bills fans everywhere, can you please ask Jeff Ma about betting on the Bills? Well, he didn't pick the Bills. They're 8-3, and three, but have only one win after trailing at halftime, the Jets, on October 25th. Moreover, in only one game, have the Bills increased their lead in the second half. The Patriots by one point, and that was the game they won on Cam Newton's last-minute fumble. In fact, the Bills have been outscored in the second half of every game this season except three, the aforementioned two, and the Raiders. In other words, the Bills would have three wins if games started at halftime. Should betters in Las Vegas bet big on the Bills in the first half and against them at halftime? Please help. Luke needs the money. From Justin Johnson in Arlington, Virginia. On Monday's show, there was an email about a website you can visit to win a walk-on role in a Hallmark movie for Bootsy. The emailer suggested you have Michael handle it to make sure it's done correctly. Snackwatchandwin.com. Yeah, but it may actually be better if you do this because while trying to order just one walk-on roll for Bootsy, you will accidentally order two walk-on rolls. Thus, both Bootsy and The Hammer will have the opportunity to be featured in a Hallmark movie. Clearly, Carol will be happier seeing both grandsons rather than just one on our favorite channel, which may get her talking to you again after your rant on her Thanksgiving food. From Joe in Pittsburgh, Dear Mr. Tony, I am a frequent listener to your podcast. How frequent? Last week, Spotify gave a summary of my listening habits for 2020. I've listened to your podcast 4,183 minutes, and we still have a month to go. Add that to my daily viewing of PTI, and that is a lot of time we have spent together. Thanks for the company. My number one song was Kin, folks. I don't even know what that is. Don't worry about it. I don't. Should I know what that is? It's a Sam Hunt song. Who's he? He's pop, the, pop is he country. the British guy? The, Walker was obsessed with that song because he liked the chorus. Oh. All right. One more. Um, Aaron Sherbo in Winnetoba. I'm sorry. In Winnipeg, Manitoba, as I conflated both those things. Just want to say that I'm a huge fan of the show and the podcast. I have been PVRing. PVR, I guess that's what they have in Canada. PTI well, for years. Might be, what might be, a, might be a typo? Oh, the, so you think it's DVRing? I okay. think so. The only time I miss it is when some tennis match on the other side of the world runs long, and the five TSN channels here in Canada all decide to broadcast the tennis match and skip playing PTI. That makes sense. There are so many shows now that seem to try to copy PTI. In most, hosts basically yell at each other as if they are debating how to save the planet. You and Mike are great. You give educated opinions and you aren't afraid to admit when you have no knowledge of certain sports like Champions League soccer. Your nod to Canada at the end of each episode is greatly appreciated. My tie to the sports world, I'm the optometrist for the Winnipeg Jets. Wow. I think we were mentioned once on your show a few years back. Stay safe and the best to your family. Isn't that nice? The optometrist. Because those guys get hit in the head with a puck, and maybe their vision gets blurred, right? Oh, yeah. That's interesting. If you're on your bike time, everyone, as always, do wear white. Who's your favorite pitcher? Max Scherzer. What does Max Scherzer do? Six. Who's your favorite batter? Soto. Soto? Uh. (laughs)
Awesome.